welcome. You are listening to Grace Capital Church Podcast. Amen. Truth, as my homeboy Martin says. It's not truth, it's truth. Right? Patna? So we're jumping right into our continuing our series, Veritas. Uh, a couple things. One, I was on vacation last week. I'll tell you what I did. Um, I watched The Twilight Zone for a whole week. Uh, the Twilight Zone is the best show that ever existed. If you want to see good dialogue and you want to see dapper dressing, don't watch Mad Men. Watch The Twilight Zone because that was legit. Uh, that season ran from 59 to 63, and it was unbelievable. So that's what I do in my off time. Uh, if you're interested, that's what I did. So I was very rested. I did nothing. I ate horribly, and, uh, and I needed that time. Don't we all need that time? In Scripture, it says uh, it's one of the commandments. Ever heard of it? Take a Sabbath. So that's exactly what I did is I took a Sabbath. So I encourage you to do the same thing. So that's what I did uh, this past week, and I'm really excited to come back and uh, love on you pastor you, teach the Bible, mentor you, grow you, because we are a family. Amen? Amen? Yeah, we're a family. Um, So we're going to continue in this series, and uh, I wanted to, before I jump right in, I I wanted to share with you, I'm not sure if we talked about it last week, I don't think that we did, but I wanted to share with you the In His Image event that we had. Who was a part of that? Awesome. Let's give a bigger clap. And hey, there's some awesome things that happened. Yes. God was doing incredible things. I mean, from my perspective, it's just really cool to see us as a church um, going into our community and helping people, developing people. And what's cool is building relationships with one another. That's what I felt like was from our perspective here. Um, I saw all of us coming together, loving with each other, laughing, and having a great time, and at the same time, serving our community. People that I don't see a lot of times spending time with one another. It's always, I think, a pastor's hope to see everyone really operate and be family, and that's what I really saw, which I thought was really cool. Um, we were able to give, I don't know, 70, 80 uh, styles to people and got makeup going, and there was over 50 people that were a part of it, mostly from our church, which is amazing. Um, And we saw, not only did we do the practical thing in helping people, but we saw salvations. We saw people being filled with the Spirit. We, we, We saw people being set free, being broken, or being, you know, from the chains that they've been held up and wrapped up with, all the different things in their life, those chains being broken. So that is I think that's an awesome thing that God cares. The soul is not just the soul. The soul is also part of the body, and God cares for the whole body, not just just the soul. It's the whole body. That's why in Scripture you see, you know, Abraham, hey, I got a job for you. Jesus, I got a job for you. David, I got a job for you. He's, he's concerned with the well-being, not just of the person's soul, but them living and having dominion over the animals and having dominion over the land. That's, that's work. So we want to build that confidence in people. Amen? That's what, that's what I think part of the church function is, um, or we might as well just meet in our homes. So, uh, so another part of it that I thought was really cool is what I heard is uh, we were talking about it in our life group, and what I heard some of the people saying in my life group was, this was a really good way to tell people about our church and about Jesus. So it was a really easy way to tell them, hey, yeah, we were part in our church. We did this event. And, and it's uh, something I think that's attractive to the world and, and allows us to display Jesus and who he really is and what we're doing actively as a church. So I thought that was uh, really cool. But overall, it was just an awesome experience. And I want to thank all the leaders and the people that, that helped out with that for the 
two or three things that we do a year, this is really a powerful one. And the last thing I'll share with that is we were able to, uh, I was able to talk with some of the people that have gone through 1269 Cafe, which is the ministry that we are partnering with. Uh, I got a chance to talk with some of those people, and uh, they were, they're now serving at, the, at 1269 Cafe. They're not just getting help and receiving from, but now they've been transformed and renewed, and now they're helping the people help their old friends that were homeless in, 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 the, in their old neighborhoods. And uh, one of the things that the guy, one of the people said to me, he just came to me, he was just weeping, breaking down. He said, I have never, I see these people every week, and there's some people in here that I've never seen smile. And it was just, it's sort of just, you know, we just sort of get in our routine, and this could be something where we would say, oh, just check the box to whatever. But when he said that, it just really put into perspective for me what it is that is happening in people's lives in their soul that just to crack a smile um and that is at the hand of god by his holy spirit using us to be uh changers in our in our community um and do that together as a family amen so that is uh that is my introduction but i wanted to share uh we're going to continue with veritas we're talking about the holy spirit we've had a couple weeks we had one week where we actually had to cancel church um and then we had last week where we talked about the holy spirit so we had some snow maybe you weren't here so i wanted to give just a very quick overview of holy spirit the holy spirit and then we'll jump right into our subject matter which is going to be really about gifts but i wanted to give just a a high level overview so we're all going in the same direction and we understand the same thing together here um so are you ready to do that are we going to jump in we're going to learn about the holy spirit veritas what does that mean truth baby truth pastor kevin saying it truth yeah baby so, uh, who, Betty, who's that? I don't know. Um, so, uh, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was always there. He, 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 in Genesis, it says the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. We, we tend to look at the Holy Spirit as uh, one who is this mystical uh, rainbow in the cloud, uh, happy feelings and presence driven and all of this ethereal Holy Spirit. But really, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit in Scripture, it says many times over, the Holy Spirit was grieved, or the, 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 the person of the Holy Spirit. He has feelings. He is a person. So we first have to understand the Holy Spirit being is a person, not just this mystical force. The Holy Spirit is a person. So we have the Trinity. We have God being three persons. We have God the Father, which is God in heaven. We have Jesus who claimed to be God, claimed to be God's son. That's why he was murdered, because he, he had that claim. And then we also know as the Holy Spirit, who is present in the Old Testament, also present in the New Testament. He always was. And so what we see is uh, how he would work in the Old Testament. There is a couple different ways this would happen. The Holy Spirit would fill people. The Holy Spirit would come upon people. And says in Scripture, the Holy Spirit came upon. Or um, in, uh, there is a person, I think his name, I'm not going to even say his name because I'll butcher it. But he was one who was constructing the ark in the Old Testament. And it says that he was filled with the Spirit to do a work. Uh, this is one that was constructing the ark. And so the Holy Spirit was with him, upon him, in him to do this work to build the Ark of the Covenant, and that was, that's also in the Old Testament. But what we talked about last week was what? Does anybody remember? Pastor Kevin remembers. Anybody else remember? 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is an incredibly important part of our walk that we're going to, I'm going to quickly touch on today to get into how we walk out after this baptism. What does that mean for us going forward? So in order to understand that, we want to jump to the Bible, the truth. It's all about the word. We want to make sure that everything, everything we say is from the Bible. Amen? 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 we got to go for it, folks. We have got to hear the word and live it, and I'm excited about it, and I will be excited for you. So uh, maybe it's the four, five, six feet of snow that's on your snowbanks in your driveway that that's all you're thinking about. It's like there's so much snow, but I want you to be excited. Forget about the snow. Let's think about Jesus and his word and get passionate about that. So uh, John 16, 7, it says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. So this is Jesus talking about how he is, he's really prophetically speaking about his death, burial, and resurrection. He said, it's your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, the helper being the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This is the helper. This is the one who is the comforter, the one who reminds us of Scripture, the one who gives us boldness, boldness to proclaim the gospel, boldness to the... For, for us to operate in a gift set that no one has ever had before. This is an unprecedented event in Scripture where there is a transition of how the Holy Spirit is able to work because of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection. Amen for that. That's a very pivotal part of time, especially pivotal for us as God's people, because this is how we operate in power. Amen. Everyone say power. Power. Acts 19. Uh, let me back up. Acts In Acts, in the beginning of Acts, we see this picture where the baptism of the Holy Spirit came as tongues of fire. And, and then it, it, was, it was professed by Jesus that this was going to happen. He's going to baptize you with fire. And this is what we see in Scripture. And so all of the disciples are in the upper room, about 120. And they're praying and they're gathering. And tongues of literal fire come upon them in the room. And then they began speaking in other tongues. And that was the first infilling, this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Very different from water baptism. We know this because in Scripture in Acts 19, Paul asked the people in Ephesus, he goes back to Ephesus where he planted the gospel, and he goes to some of these guys and said, hey, you know, have you heard about, you know, the baptism of Jesus? Like, no, we just know about the baptism of John, which is the baptism of repentance. He says, well, no, he's like, you need to know about this baptism of Jesus, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, lays hands on them, they become filled, start speaking in other tongues and prophesying on the spot. That's the God we serve. That's the power that's in this baptism. So some people get hung up. Well, baptism's got to be the laying on of hands. Well, baptism's got to be this. It's got to be a certain way. Don't get hung up on the way, because if you technically want to get hung up on the way, we'll go by the first way, which was what? Tongues of fire. Where, anybody seen a tongue of fire? I ain't never seen a tongue of fire. So don't get hung up on the way it happens because if you really do want to do that, then everyone should be saying it should be the first way it was done, which is tongues of fire. There's parts in scripture where people were literally praying and they were filled with the spirit on the spot. There was no laying on of hands. It happens in, don't get caught up in the methodology in the way the baptism happens. The headline is this, I receive the Holy Spirit and I want to walk in his fullness. 
That is for us how we want to receive the spirit is by simply saying yes to him in all of what he is able to do through us. So that right there is sort of the summary as, as quickly as I can do that of who the Holy Spirit is, who he was in scripture, what, this, what is the difference between after acts and how the Holy Spirit works. It all has to do with what Jesus enabled the Spirit to do, sending him in a new way, and how we do that is through baptism. One more point I will say to that is baptism, like a water baptism, would we say that someone has, the only way someone is saved is by water baptism? The answer to that question is no. People get saved by saying yes to Jesus and walking in his fullness just by Jesus and what he did on the cross. It's for everybody. I receive Jesus. Boom. And I think the same way is with the Holy Spirit. And let me explain that. The Holy Spirit, it says in Romans, those who are apart from the Spirit are apart from God who don't belong to him. So that tells me that every person that gets saved has the Spirit inside of them. You have the Spirit of God in you when you receive Christ. The baptism is saying, I am walking in the fullness of his power, and I, am, and I am receiving that. I am humbling myself so the Spirit can walk, or the Spirit can operate through me. So some people get confused. Like, I thought, I get the, do I get the Holy Spirit at, at salvation? Is it something with this baptism is when I receive the Holy Spirit? No, I think what we would say, it's like when the pilot light, there's a pilot light inside of you. And the Holy Spirit is what brings gas to that thing. And you just go for it. And and it's all about the outflow. This is really an important, pivotal part of our foundation, our rock, of understanding how the Holy Spirit works. And so I hope that in that explanation you have some understanding of the Spirit and the importance of baptism. It doesn't have to be with a certain method. The baptism is all for us about saying yes to the Holy Spirit, whether it be a tongue of fire on you while you're in the shower, or whether someone's here praying for you, or whether you're saying, I am going to walk in the fullness and I receive all the Spirit wants to do in me and through me. Amen? That's the fullness. So that was the baptism. Why is baptism important? This is why. This is how Jesus planned it. Baptism is when the believer receives extraordinary power for Christ's exalting ministry through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll say it one more time. Baptism is when the believer receives extraordinary power from Christ's exalting ministry through his own power that he's receiving. It's got to be through the Spirit. So that was a quote from Pastor Greg, who's in Laconia, and I listened to his message. I was like, you know, that's really, that's really, that's a good way of saying it. So that's what I wanted to lead in with. So here's sort of the conflict. Why does it seem hard to operate in our spiritual gift set? Or why is it hard to see, why is it hard to walk in this Spirit-filled walk? Because we read it in Acts, we see it, but it's kind of like, yeah, that was maybe for then. I don't know if it's for me today. Why does it seem so difficult to walk in that fullness? And for some of you, it may just be fear. You know, you've heard about the crazy people and the preacher on television, and everyone was doing this with the Holy Spirit, and you're just like, I'm all set with that. Um, You know, it could have been a fear from, like, I grew up in a church where they were doing that, and and, uh, you know, it's, what it t- tended to be for me is like, this is great, and God's doing incredible things inside the four walls here, but how does that spill out into everywhere else? And it never really did. It kind of just stayed inside, and it was like God's good little secret for the Christians, and no one ever really got to experience anything else of that. 
So that was sort of my upbringing. But for you, you, it may be a little risky. Maybe for some of you, it's a fear because you know God's called you to something and it's going to happen through the power of the Holy Spirit working within you and you're just not ready for that. Something that you're just not ready to receive his fullness. Could it be, it could be that you have never been uh, taught about the Holy Spirit properly. That, you've, that it's been, if you're, you know, it's one of these things. If you don't speak in tongues, you're not baptized in the Spirit. That's completely false teaching. That's actually completely wrong. That may be where it's been the teaching part that has really led you down the wrong path. Um, or why it's been difficult to operate in the fullness because you've labeled it to be one thing that it's really not. The third thing is maybe you've never been, been uh, encouraged. There's never been an opportunity or, or you've never been encouraged to walk out in the gifts in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's never been an environment that would encourage that. So today, what I wanted to do is, as we're going to Scripture, I want to make sure that you know that I want to encourage that in you. What we're going to do is we're going to look at Scripture, and and my heart is that you begin to have a better understanding and then walk out in that. So that's what this whole message, we're we're going to tie that in because it's very, very important, I believe, in the life of a believer. So I want to encourage that. We want to teach it. We want to take it offline and talk about it in our life groups and in community with each other. And we want to remove the fear elements and give proper understanding and explanation to what this baptism or the fullness of the Spirit is. So we will now proceed. So first is, uh, you got to believe that God in the Bible or the Spirit in the Bible that was an axe is the Spirit today. Do you believe that? You don't have to answer it, but just thinking for you. Do you believe that? The miracles, the signs, the wonders, the healing, the heavenly languages, all of it. Do you believe that that is how God wants to operate today? And that's really the pivotal question that before we go any further in the message, you need to answer that first. Because if you don't really believe it, or if you're not open to it, well then... then, I don't really know what else I'm going to be able to really do for you or be able to speak to you. You have to go into it saying, I may not understand it, but I'm, but I do believe that the Holy spirit that was in acts is the Holy spirit. That's today that we're going to be moving forward with and that how he wants to use us just like then. And with the apostles is how he wants to use us today. In the Acts, it, it's the, it says, in, uh, it's described as the Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts. Really, what it is, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Anything that happens that's a spirit work happens because someone has been filled with the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit to do that work. Something like, you know, for us giving a word to somebody, you may be like, you know, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know if I'm ready to give a word or something like healing. Yeah, I saw it then. I saw, I saw people getting healed in the laying on of hands, but I don't really know. I, I can't see myself doing that. So today what I want to do is I want to unlock that for all of us and begin to be open to explore what God has for each one of us as it relates to the spiritual gifts that he's assigned to every single person in this room. To every single person in this room. That's when your families change. That's when you, yourself, and how God's using you changes. That's how your work environment changes. That's how your community changes. That's how your neighborhood changes. It's all through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit.
We just have to be willing to say yes. We just have to be willing to say yes. So, uh, so we're going to go in and we're going to look at what God was doing through the Corinthian church, uh, if you're willing to go there. So if you'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12, we are going to uh, look at a section of scripture where God is really working with, through the apostle Paul, uh, to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians 12 is where we're going to be. I'm doing something different. I'm holding this microphone. My arm's already getting tired. Usually I got a little thing over here, but I, I want to do something different. And now right here, it's starting to get sore. That's how weak I am. I may have to switch hands. Book of Corinthians. What's Corinthians all about? Well, Corinthians, uh, it's the church in Corinth. It's uh, one of Paul's uh, missionary journeys into Corinth, into Corinth to bring the gospel there. He was on mission, so he was empowered by the Spirit to proclaim the name of Jesus, and people began to get saved. This is a very affluent city, uh, uh, one of influence. Um, these individuals were, uh, were ready for Jesus to his fullness. They were like on board with it day one. They were giving their money back to Jerusalem. So Paul would, would, uh, would approach the Corinthian church and say, listen, we need to would help these people, those poor people in Jerusalem. We, you need to be open to giving. They're like, oh, no question about it. You know, he leaves with money bags. So these people were just totally operating in the fullness of the spirit, uh, even by way of generosity. And uh, they had churches where they were seeing some crazy things happen. They were going buck wild for Jesus, so much so where it was causing some contention. You know, you have everyone, everyone's speaking in tongues from the front. Paul's like, whoa, 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 you, you guys got to work this out. And, and they, were doing, they, were, they were doing the Lord's Supper. They were doing that wrong. They were just, what I would say, is so overly zealous for Jesus, they were disregarding their neighbor. They were disregarding their community. They were disregarding themselves and just saying, we want to operate in the fullness, whatever it costs. That's what was happening. And so the whole context of, of Corinthians, the book, is about all, it's all about unity. If you notice the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 14 is in Corinthians. At the love chapter, it's you got to do this in love is really what his message was. You got to do this for the bettering of the next person. This, he came in strong, 1 Corinthians, he comes in strong with rebuking. He's like, he actually writes in the letter, I'm not writing this to praise you. I'm writing this to correct you. If I said, I mean, I don't think you would vote me out to be your pastor if I actually said that to you, you know? Like he came in strong. This is what's going wrong. You have to strive for unity in the common good. That's the whole book of Corinthians. But it's interesting how he brings clarity it's almost like these things that happen, even though they're wrong, it's good for us because it brings clarity for us for the gifts. So he begins to do a really good job of outlining the gifts and their importance and all of that. So that's what, because they're not doing well as a church, we get to experience uh, the teaching that Paul gave them because they didn't have it right. So that's really the idea of Corinthians. So we're gonna, I'm going to start off with uh, verse... Uh, one and two, and then skip down to verse four. So I think we have verse four up there. I'm going to start one and two, because these are very, very important parts of the text in which he was writing. So he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. 
Anyone ever come to you and say, hey, I got to inform, inform you of something? What you typically go is like, oh, what is that? If someone says, hey, I just want to talk to you about something, blah, blah, blah. You're like you're kind of less interested. But I said, hey, I need to inform you of something. You need, I need to make sure you know this. It's kind of like it's a different attitude when you talk to someone and say, I want to inform you. So Paul wants to make sure that whatever he's about to say, you need to be informed because this is extremely important. So he's talking about informing them. Then he says in verse 2, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. So he says, even before whatever I'm going to talk about, I need to make sure that I'm leading you in the right way. So two things we see right off the bat before we even get into the subject matter is you need to be informed. All of us, we need to be informed. Say, say I need to be informed. Second thing is we need to make sure that we're being led. So he's like, I want to make sure I'm leading you in the right way. And so then now skipping down to verse 4, very important. He says, now there are, variety, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Then uh, furthermore, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. He has still yet to speak about gifts, but he's setting up the stage and saying, listen, I need to make sure that you guys understand that this is for the good of you all. You need to be informed. I need to lead you the right way. And you got to know that you have to be doing this because you love each other and we're all in the, it's common good. It's pretty remarkable how he's writing this. He's not just saying, hey, and here are the gifts, blah, blah, blah. He layers it with very important subject matter that we need to, you know, it's impregnated with meaning, if you will, before we even get into the gifts. We have to understand that foundation. So if you have been fearful of the gifts or if you've been fearful because of what you have uh, seen by the Holy Spirit moving, this should bring us confidence that we need to be informed so it's not just a a weird out-in-the-clouds thing. We want to be led, so there's order. And the third thing is it's for the benefit of everybody. So why would we be fearful of those things? Amen? We, don't, we shouldn't be fearful of that. This, Paul's bringing good distinction and clarity to what we're going to be learning about. So uh, let's continue. So what are these gifts? He says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. Right there. The utterance of wisdom. That means you're going to another person and you're in life group and the person is saying, listen, I got this issue. I got I to gotta work out. I'm not sure how to deal with it. Can you pray with me? The Holy Spirit may bring you a word of wisdom. It may be a scripture. Uh, it may be a personal situation that you've had. And by the power of the Holy Spirit through the baptism, you will be able to say, listen, this is kind of what I think the Spirit's saying to me for you. I don't know how this applies, but X, Y, Z. That's, that's what we're talking about here, folks. It's the better of the, of the church. That's how simple it is. It's not, you know, crazy dancing. This is, it can be we are excited for Jesus, but really the first things Paul begins to talk about in gift set is we, you may have words of wisdom. It may be God's brought you through a huge lineage of things, to, uh, of things in your life, and now you have an, an outpouring of wisdom. See, that's why it's important. We had some people over last night, and we were talking about, you know, folks that are, that are higher in age, 50, 60, 70. Think about the wealth of knowledge for someone like me maybe who is 31 to be able to experience and receive the wisdom from another person. That's huge. And that happens through the Holy Spirit at the right time in the right place. Amen? So he goes on to say, um, 
and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. So this is sometimes where it can get a little, you know, a little funny. People are, there's words of knowledge that we give. So someone may be dealing with something and the Holy Spirit may present that to you to give, to, to, to encourage them. Say, this is kind of what they're going through. That's almost like a, in a way of discernment. So you get this word of knowledge for somebody and you just present it to them and say, this is what I feel like the Lord's saying. Again, what is it for? Common good? So you don't say, uh, oh, I think that person's got a big problem. So I'm going to go to them and say, you got a big problem. The Lord wants you to know that. Thank you very much. You know, that's not the word of knowledge we're talking about. The word of knowledge we're talking about is, you know, I just want to let you know that I'm praying for you. This is kind of what God showed me in your life. I don't know details, but I want to let you know I'm, I'm praying for you and I love you. Words of knowledge, again, for the common good. Again, I love the way that Paul brings the word in that context of laying the foundation before just spitting out these things. Why? Because that's what people were doing in this church. 2,500 people in the front row speaking in tongues. No one knows what the heck's going on. And then the other guy in the back saying, uh, you're this, you're this, you're this. Thank you, Jesus, for the word. You're this, you're this. It's like there's chaos, absolute chaos. So Paul's wanting to bring clarity to that. Um, this one is pretty huge. To another, the working of miracles. Some of you don't even know it, but there are miracle workers in this room because you have been filled with the Holy Spirit to operate in him. If you believe in Acts, the Bible, the God of the Bible and the Holy Spirit in Acts, then you have to believe that miracles are for today. For some of us, that's a little, it gets a little hokey with the miracle business. But that's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what makes what we believe so unbelievably awesome. Is because God does miracles to glorify himself. And how does he do that? He does that through his people. It's amazing. And so there are in here some miracle workers. We want to experience that. How many of you need a miracle in your life? A couple? Wow, that's... So, hey, can you tell me what it's like to not, have a, not need a miracle? No, you know what I'm saying? Like, we all need miracles. Everybody needs a miracle. No one has it all figured out. We all need miracles. And through people bringing words of knowledge, bringing healing, laying on of hands, miracles happen. Amen? Miracles can happen. We have to believe that. And that's what Paul's uh, laying out for us. Um, To another prophecy that benefits the church, I want to encourage you, if you have a word while we're worshiping, or even, I would say, uh, while I'm giving the message, I'd open up to that. So I want to let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. We want to hear your word to encourage the body. We want to hear from you. God wants to use you. Some of you, there's been a stirring, and you were kind of like, I don't know if it's the right. Does it happen every week? No, it's a couple times. Why do you think it's a couple times? Because God has a word for you in that moment for all of us. Some, some of us in here have been, are, are broken, and, and, and God is using you to bring an encouragement to the church, which has to do with maybe an individual person. And then they need to experience that freedom. God uses us to, it's, we're all family together, and that's how he works it. So that may, it may be a prophetic word that, that he may be giving you. Um, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. This is where I think um, the ladies in the house, ladies in the house, any ladies in the house? Yeah, yeah, ladies in the house, let me hear you. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's a time of day or something. I'm just like, ladies and I'll scream for you. Woo! Yeah! Someone's got to do it. 
I think that for you ladies, I really want to speak this to you as I was kind of praying and working through this. I believe that God's given you, uh, women in the church, young and old, a spirit of distinguishing spirits. And I'll tell you why that's vitally important. The role of the woman, it says in scripture, is the helper for men. I didn't say that's what the Bible says. So so men are, are given and entrusted with the authority to have this dominion, and they can't do it without you. And so how that works a lot, I'll talk about my wife and I's relationship, that I may go in a certain direction, and she may, be, she may challenge me or say, you know, I want, I want you to think about this. This is kind of what I'm seeing. She's able to distinguish spirits or have a spirit of discernment from moving forward. And I think that's where God has gifted you ladies in heavily is having that spirit of discernment. Sometimes, you know, she'll say like, I'm not really sure about X person. And so then we'll come to find out there was something, we're glad we didn't go in that particular direction. So the spirit of discernment is very important. I find that with women, you guys really have that and God really uses you because you are the helper. Some of you get uh, disappointed by hearing, oh, I'm just a helper. I don't know, the Holy Spirit was called the helper. You're actually in good company. It's only two people in the Bible that are labeled the helper, women and the Holy Spirit. You're basically God, okay, pretty much. I'm just kidding. Don't go tweeting that. God said, Jesse said, I'm God and all that. Um, But you did. I didn't mean that. But you said it. I'm your God. No, that's not true. So then he does this great job because he is educated and he's a great communicator and he's a great writer and a great thinker. And he says this at the end, he says, all these, so all the things I just mentioned, he says, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So he wraps the whole thing up and says, remember the unity conversation? It's all about unity. It's all about unity. And so then we can skip down to uh, verse, my computer literally is about to die, so I've got to make sure I have all this memorized right here. Okay, so here we go. Uh, so we're going to go down to verse 27 in 1 Corinthians 12. Just to let you know, it's 1159. I don't care right now. We have to make sure we go through the process of understanding this. So bear with me like five to seven, maybe 10, maybe 30 more minutes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so verse 27, skip down there. So he says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Excuse me. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church. And so now he's going to talk about the gifts he gave to the church, which are the offices of these individuals. So he says, um, in the church, first apostles. Uh, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing. Then he goes on to talk about these different unbelievable that the even that the Bible would even speak to it different uh, roles. So the gift of healing, helping, administration in various kinds of tongues. I love that part because administration. How many of you love and get excited about administration? There we go. We got a couple of people who are excited about administration. One over here. That there are some of us in here that, that you have walked in that you just feel like this is just what I get excited about. The Holy Spirit's done that in you. He wants to bring you to another level of administration. For those of you who are involved in helping or, or serving the church, God wants to do a b- bigger, greater work 
inside of his church because of the gift set, especially, you know, I mean, the healing, that's, that's huge. And all of this has been given to the church by God, which is just awesome. And so here's, here's what I, where I wanted to spend some time uh, looking. I wanted to spend some time looking at, uh, at the end here, and this is where we're gonna, hopefully going to bring some clarity. Uh, Paul asks some rhetorical questions in verse 29. He starts to ask some rhetorical questions, and I'll explain why that is. So he says, listen, he says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? What he's saying in this is he's saying, listen, you don't have to, like, need it all. This is how we're in unity. If one person did it all, then we'd all need to just look to one person. He specifically gives each one of you specific giftings that you need to discover, which we'll talk about in a minute, that you need to discover and operate in because you can help me and I can help you and then you can help him and she can help him and all that. That's, that's how we function together. And so he's saying, listen, you don't have it all. And one of the things he says is he talks about tongues. So I'm going to talk about tongues for a minute. Some of you have been brought up believing that if you, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's completely false. Find out in Scripture for me, and I'll tell you that you're wrong. It just doesn't exist. It's not how it works in the name of Jesus. It's just not how it works. And for some reason, in the church, we focus so much heavily on this tongues business that it's caused division. It hasn't brought unity. So that's number one. Paul would be talking to us about that. Stop getting hung up on this one thing. I mean, if anything, why wouldn't we want to be hung up with things that will actually bring glory to God? Like healing. It's like you got to have healing to be filled with the Spirit. I could, I could see how that could be something that we would get hung up on, but it's the tongues. Paul says it right there. Some have the ability to speak tongues. Some. I believe, my personal belief is every one of us, if we ask, we shall receive. I don't think God's going to withhold tongues from any one of you, but I do not want anyone in this room thinking that they are less than because they cannot speak in. I know so many people who believe they're less than because they can't speak in tongues. I believe if you desire that, God is going to be faithful and he will give it to you. I think sometimes for some people as a process, he wants to work deeper on things. He's not just about giving you the gift. He really wants to work in the process. Ask, you shall receive. We speak in tongues. Speak, in, speak tongues from here and hear an interpretation. That's, that's part of our charismatic beliefs. I believe that people can still do that. But I don't want anyone in here thinking I'm less than because I don't speak in tongues. That starts to go into another place that God doesn't want you to go. He doesn't push people down. He lifts you up through the power of the spirit. Desire it. Paul says in scripture, I I want you to speak. I want all of us to be speaking in tongues. I wish you all spoke in tongues. And and I'm going to speak to a little bit of that of what he was talking about. And it kind of dovetails into this last section that I wanted to talk through. Um, with the, idea, with the idea of tongues, or excuse me, with the idea of, uh, of why Paul wanted, why he said, I wish all you spoke in tongues. This is what Paul says, which I love. At the end of 1 Corinthians 12, it's in verse 31, he says, but earnestly. So in all that, you know, he's uh, you know, outlined it for you in scripture. At the end of it, he, he concludes with this line, but earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you a still more excellent way. The higher gifts and what Paul's talking about, when you do your study and you start to understand what his language is, the higher gifts are the gifts that edify the other person. Higher gifts for us, what Paul wants, he wants us all to be in straight and complete, godly, by the Spirit-led unity. So 
if there's someone in the role of an apostolic, there's an apostolic leader and churches are being planted and things are growing and all that, but there's no real unity in it and people aren't growing in love, then it's kind of like Paul saying it's not really, it's not the higher gift. The higher gift is where we can come together and we can break bread together and love one another and be in relationship, be in fellowship. Those are the higher gifts. So those were like this, like the words of knowledge. I want to love you. I want to encourage you. The, the prophetic gift. The, those are the gifts that are very, very important to bring, uh, to bring the church uh, to a bl- place of being uplifted. And so to, to speak to that, Paul has a couple scriptures that he, that he, that he uh, proves out this higher gifts conversation. In 1 Corinthians 14, 12, he says, So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. That's what Paul was about. So if we take a matter like tongues, yes, I believe that everyone should speak it. I speak it. But I know there's pastors that don't speak it. And God's doing great things through them. Am I, am I to say that they're less than because they don't? I want everyone to speak in tongues. So it's not a message about making tongues. You don't need it. No, I think everyone should have a personal private prayer language, and we should be praying over people for that. But if, it's, if something's happening where it's causing division and disunity, that's not from the Holy Spirit. And we have to be okay with that and teach people like in conversations like this about those things. So again, desire the higher gifts. Desire the gifts that are going to build up the body where you are going into your community, going to your workplace, and and being used by the Holy Spirit to accomplish what his will is. So those are the higher gifts, desiring to bring unity for all. So I'm going to go, my computer died, so I'm going to go now with the slides and go from memory. So there are a couple ways. How do we we take this? What, What are we going to do from here? Um, this is where we're going to wrap it up. And we have first point is you got to earnestly desire the gifts. This goes back to the question of Acts 2, or excuse me, in Acts. Do we believe, I just love Acts 2, that's why I keep saying Acts 2. But in Acts holistically, do we believe that the Holy Spirit that was in Acts is for today? And if your answer to the question is yes, then you have to, be, that, that's where you have to start with the desire. And I think the desire is something where uh, you have to pray for the desire. It says in scripture to be praying for the desire. And that is, a, that is a starting point for all of us. And slide number two, listen so you can respond. So this is where we have our own personal time with the Lord, and the Lord will begin to reveal to us um, what this is going to look like in our lives. We need to first listen and hear the word of the Lord through the Bible, which we know that God's, this is his primary way of speaking to us is through the word. So it's going to be in listening to the word and that you'll be able to respond to what God is saying. And then the third, the third point here, practice, take a risk. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. Some of us in here, you've walked, you've been walking in the grocery store And all of a sudden, there was a person, and you felt as though you needed to talk with them. And you felt like, I don't know what this is, but I just want to let them know I'm praying for them or encourage them or whatever it is. But you didn't do it because you were fearful. This is what I want to say to you. Do you do that with every single person in the grocery store? You don't. That's when we'd probably be a little concerned. You're talking to every person. You feel like God is a word for every person. See, Jesus would walk into a neighborhood or he'd walk by the pool of Bethesda where there's every person sick and he healed one, the one that was complaining. No one's bringing me over to the water when I want to get healed. Jesus healed that guy. So we have, we have to realize and know that God has specific ones and you cannot, the way that you start to understand and hear the spirit more is by acting on it. So take a risk. Take a risk. 
I encourage you to do that. And let's hear the testimonies. And that's how you begin to have this repetition and learning and growing, which leads to our last point, which is continue to grow. I want to close out with a story, John, if you'd like to come up to the front and help me close out here. Um, so as some of you know, I, I have my own hobby. I do music production. It's something I like. All of you have, have different hobbies. You're skilled in different things. You're going to school for different things. Anyone in here, as you, some of you own a, a small business or a big business, and you've taken years to perfect and hone in on a particular craft. It never happened right out of the gate. You made a lot of fumbles, you made a lot of errors, but over time you began to develop and learn and grow. So for me personally, I've been doing production, music production since I was 16. It's been 15 years later and there's still so much to grow, but I've excelled so much in the process 15 years later. And some of you have a similar story, whether it be doing projects around the house or carpentry or whatever it is. So we have to know that we have to continue to grow And the only way we continue to grow is how? Taking risks. Letting the Holy Spirit do his work in us and then seeing where we're hearing right and where we're hearing wrong and honing in on his voice. But ultimately, what I find interesting about this little example is for me, I, I only excelled in what I believe that God gave me the talent is because I desired it. If I didn't desire it, I wouldn't have continued in that process. Even when I, many years, it was just like, I'm not getting it right. I'm not getting it right. I'm not getting it right. I can't do it right. And some of you have a similar story with, with your abilities and gift set that God's given you just practically. Many years went by, you're just trying to perfect, trying to perfect, or trying to start that business. But what, because you desired it, you kept going. You, you continued to go. So if that's how we are practically, with practical things in our life, how much more so when we think about doing God's work that can only be done by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit with the gift set that he's given each one of you that's specifically unique for you. How much more so should we care and have a desire for that? Because that has to do with edifying the body, us as a family, and then taking that out as we have an overflow of the Spirit. He's working in our life. We take that overflow and we bring it to the people that need it. In the grocery store, the the, the lady or the man that we see in the grocery store or a coworker, And I feel like that's what God's doing in my heart. I'm trying to take more risks and be more bold in that space. As I spend time with the Lord, I, I, I want him to do that so I can be more bold and so that he can be glorified by what Paul outlines in Corinthians. So some of us, we have a, uh, we have, well, where do we begin? Where do we begin uh, in discovering our gifts? So we have, as a church, all of our campuses, we're doing, we're collectively doing a, uh, a spiritual gift test. And this is something you can go on our website, and I think we can put up that slide. It's going to be on our site. It's gccnh forward slash spiritual gifts. I think that's what it's going to be. Yeah, spiritual gifts test. And I would really encourage you to begin to explore this and what God's uniquely built you for. It's just a survey. It's going to ask you questions and then it'll kind of spit out at the end what your, I think it ranks it from top to bottom, what you're just based on who God's built you to be, what your spiritual gifting is. Um, and in this, uh, uh, on your seat, you should have seen uh, some of the uh, spiritual gifts uh, in their respective categories to see where God's gifted you and, and where that's, what you, when you look at the page, what jumps out at you? And that's, I think, partly what God maybe wants to do in you. Not what you're fearful of doing to say like, oh, that's not me because you're just fearful. I think w- 
What do you believe that God's speaking to you when you just even look at the page? But even to go a step further, I believe that that's something that we all want to do. And we want to take a uh, we want to take a serious look at and seeing what God has has uh, has outlined for us as as far as what His Word says for us and what He's speaking to us. I'll close out with a story. So this week I was contacted by the Red Cross. There was a fa- there was a couple families, actually several families, about 60 people that were displaced from their homes in Hookset on Mammoth Road. There's an apartment building because of all the ice dams flooding, the roof collapsed, and it was flooding in all these apartments, so they're homeless. They're living at a shelter in Hookset, uh, the town hall, actually, and many of these are pregnant women that, that's there. Uh, there's a, a couple families that are just lower income. They don't have a lot. And uh, I thought this would be a great opportunity for us to engage in our spiritual gifts. Not just to do a good work, not to do a good work, but to pray and ask God what specifically, he, how, how he wants us to engage with these 60 or so families. How is it, what has he called us to do specifically for these families? And so this is how simple it's going to be. If you believe that God's putting something on your heart to get involved and some of the needs are... Gift, uh, gift cards for groceries, different needs for you know, diapers or whatever it be because they just had to abandon everything. These people are, are lacking on some stuff. And so my ask for you is to, almost homework would be, if this is something you feel that like God's tugging on your heart to get involved, this is how simple it's going to be. I have a contact at the Red Cross. My, my email, uh, if you want to write it down, is jesse at gccnh.com. You can email me and just say, hey, I'd like to participate, and I will link you up with the Red Cross, and they could take it from there. That's how, they, that's how they wanted to do it. But if you want to get involved in this, email me. Contact me. If come up to me after the service and say, like, I, I believe that I want to get involved, and I want to do what the Spirit's, Spirit's asking me to do. Not just doing a good work to do good work, but I believe the Spirit wants me to get involved in this. Very practical, simple needs that, that can be done, but this is something for people to do, not just the church in general. This is individually. So Jesse, J-E-S-S-E at G-C-C-N-H.com. Email me and I'll connect you with them. Uh, we can engage and help folks in, in the community. So I really appreciate, we went 15 minutes over. I really appreciate you guys sticking around and learning and listening and growing. Um, this is the point I would like to have a time of response for some of you who, who have had questions about this. And, and today you, you feel as though there's been uh, some, some explanation. There's been some enlightening. There's, the confusion has gone away. You've understood that there's common ground, that God is, God is bringing unity, not disunity. And he's bringing clarity, not confusion through this message. And that's my prayer, and that's been my prayer all week. So let's, let's bow our heads. God, I thank you for this time that you've been able to give us, that, that we've uh, taken this and, and we want to grow and we want to learn with you, Lord God. We want you to be uh, present in all of what we're doing, Lord Jesus. And, and in this time, I believe there's been some clarity and I'm excited for that. And I, and I think that we've in some ways demystified some of the things that have been so confusing to us because we've bought into a lie that we're less than or we bought into the lie that it's only craziness and swinging from the chandeliers is what the Holy Spirit is. But we know your Holy Spirit is a person, Lord God. The power, presence, and personhood of the Holy Spirit, we believe that. And that's just more receivable, God, to know that the Holy Spirit loves us and, and he cares for us and reminds us. And, 
And so if you're, if you're out there and if you have been confused of the Holy Spirit, but you're saying it makes sense to me now and I want to operate in the fullness, would you slip up your hand? It's just between me and you. I want to know and see that people are saying, I want the fullness. I've never experienced the fullness, but today I want to know and operate in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. What you would be saying is this today is my baptism. It's not a tongue of fire, but it's my baptism. And so today, if that is you, I would ask you to lift your hand and say, I, am, I don't know what it means, but I'm saying yes, just as Paul outlined for us. It's not something to be fearful of. There's order in all that. He's bringing clarity. It's something that we need to be informed of. And most of all, it's something that brings unity in his church. That is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So if that is you, slip up your hand. I don't want this opportunity to go by with anyone that I know that I can pray for specifically right now. Uh, from here. If that is you, would you raise your hand? Amen. Yes, I see that, that, that hand. Yeah, I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for your work that's going on in our hearts right now, God, that as we've asked for your fullness of the spirit, because it's been uh, in a way that we can understand, God, I pray that you would now give us opportunities. We we now want to grow in that. So the, I feel like for those of you who raised your hands, the first step is to, is to take that spiritual gift test. Own this. Desire it. Desire it. Don't let it be something that just passes by. Desire it. Chase after. Run after Jesus because he wants to use you in his kingdom. And lastly, I want to give an open invitation for those who have never had a relationship with Jesus. If you're saying, today, I, I want this Holy Spirit. I want to experience his fullness. I want to be loved by Jesus. If that is you and you've never accepted Christ in your heart, we want to give you that opportunity. If that is you, would you slip up your hand so we can pray for you and celebrate what God's doing in your life. If that is you, slip up your hand. We want to love you and bring you into God's family. I know that he's doing an amazing work in so many of us, and we're all at different places. But it w- I would be remiss if I didn't ask that question. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I see that hand. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. God, we're, we're thankful for who you are because it's all about you. All of us, we're, we're, just, we're just sinners. That's all we are, God. We're, we're, we're nothing without you. But, you. but you have come to us. You've chosen us, God. And we are so thankful for that, Jesus. I thank you for those who have said yes to your Holy Spirit. And God, I thank you for the souls that you've saved today because they've said yes to you, Lord God, that you've been pursuing them. They know it. And there's different things that have happened in their life. And they're saying, yep, God, you, you know you've been involved and I want to walk in your fullness. You, you came to me first. I wasn't chasing you, but boy, you were chasing me. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you can lift up your head. Everybody know that God's chasing us. We're so thankful that God chased us down. We're so thankful that God chased us down from the things that we were running from. He said, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to care for you. And that's the God we serve. Amen. Well, it's 20 minutes after. Brave folks, everyone stood in. This is awesome. Let's stand up. Greet someone as you're going. Let's, Let's be dismissed. Thank you, Jesus. If you would like to know more about Grace Capital Church or how to get a copy of this broadcast, please visit us online at gccnh.com.